Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, April 21st, 2020. Mm. Wow. Pandemic podcast number six. Yeah, one day after 420, which we've discussed doesn't really mean anything anymore, maybe, because... Nothing means anything anymore right every, now. Everything's legal and illegal. Uh, we don't know. We're, we're stuck in this weird... Maybe we're... It's like that movie Cube, maybe, but like instead of oh, just yeah. like Cube, like it's just like reality and it's like every day we're in another trap we got to figure out that's what it feels like i remember 420 because funnily enough it's my little brother's birthday what so he gets this attachment to that for his whole life and you always remembered that because it's hitler's birthday too you're like that was something i remember before <laughs> it's like mine is uh, edward furlong and wes craven on my birthday he's got <laughs> it's like you've got hitler yeah he's got hitler but nicer people he has attached to him are bob marley Andy or was that a is that a rumor? Bob. Some people said Bob Marley's birthday was four twenty, but like I feel like there's no. I way. I don't think it is. There's no way that's. It true. It could be. I don't know, but I just know from whatever IMDb pops up on their birthday list. But for mm. him, it was Andy Circus. That's a good one. And George Takei, and but yeah, he had a couple cool people on there. That's <laughs> those are still good. Those those yeah, are Andy Circus and George Takei. It's not are like cool. it's Walter Koenig or something. Oh, like, no offense, poor I mean, Walter. We've discussed that before. We're like, who's the like Ringo of the Star Trek world? Oh God, he genuinely is the Ringo because <laughs> didn't they put him in because they were like we want a monkeys type guy on Star Trek oh god yeah that's sad although spot on that's a that's a great I wouldn't have thought of that but yeah I don't know because I'm a Star Trek like all my nerddom I'm a fan but not an expert on a lot of this stuff but yeah. I'm pretty sure genuinely the TV powers that be were like our ratings aren't great kids love those monkeys and beetles oh. can we put a young hunky dreamy <sighs> someone on the ship and that was walter caning at the time yeah and you look at him and he looks like he could be in the monkeys for sure which is ironic you say that because i've been watching that show uh, oh, like cool. like the monkeys not star trek i should yeah. be watching star trek but you know and actually that's been one of meaning to get back to i just always like oh, there's something else to do because i was a big fan of like 60s batman obviously and like you know the beatles and such but i never and even like you know lost in space is pretty cool but i never really got into that that monkeys show but i remember it was on uh like i think much music used to play it at one point like I back so, in the day yes. and i remember seeing like bits here and there and i was like oh that seems kind of like fun 60s you know randomness and then so like i started watching and i'm like it's terrible it is terrible oh, yeah. it's not funny like at all and there's ironically bringing it back to 420 the final episode that they ever filmed was about this plant this mysterious plant that has like a smokiness to it and oh, everyone yeah and everyone just starts watching tv after it gets them and like they don't do anything you're like what what do they mean i don't get what are they hinting at here yeah it was called the frotus and then he's like, at the end, they're like trying to defeat the plant. But it's like, hey, fellas, you know, I'm a good plant. The bad guys took my control and tried to, you know, use me and all this stuff. And then you're like, okay. this. Well, is... then they did that <laughs> movie Head, right? Yeah, that written, written by Jack Nicholson. That was post the show, right? Yeah, like that was 68. So I think that was like right after. And that was them trying to go like, we're filmmakers and artistic and we're not just a oh, boy man. band. Yeah, exactly. And and the same with the records that they're working on. Because I mean, they got to a point where you're just like, they could all play instruments. They just didn't. Yeah. The studio wouldn't let them or whatever, you know? And so like when they got to a point where they could force songwriting on them, they're like, listen, like we made a bunch of these junk bubblegum records for you. You made your money. Can we please do a thing now? Like anything. And so they made uh, this record headquarters, which is, I mean, it's not like a Beatles record or something, but it's it's good. It's it's better than you would expect from dudes They've who got never got stuff. to do stuff. Yeah. I saw them at Blues Fest a couple years ago, and whenever you see a 
you know, what do you call it? Like a nostalgic Yeah, or kind like of a band. revival, like a, whatever, you know. Sometimes you're worried he's just going to be a old fat white guy on stage kind of <laughs> lip syncing his way through or reading cue cards. Yeah. But they were, I mean, it's only at the time it was half of them. Yeah, yeah, because I think there's only two of them doing it. Like Davey and, um, geez, I can't remember the rest well, of Well, there was but... two of them doing it and the third one wasn't doing it, but amicably and was yeah. still friends with them yeah and then since then i think now they're just down to two yeah because one's dead yeah. straight up uh so yeah they can't get him but, but nonetheless it was a really good show yeah uh, and they sounded good they were good with the crowd they had charisma mm-hmm. they did this neat thing where their passed away member mm-hmm. they showed an old music video nice and did live accompaniment to that huh and then right around that time and it first caught my eye because this comic artist i love named mike allred did the cover but they put out a christmas album a couple years ago yeah that rivers worked on from weezer and mm-hmm. a couple other people worked on and it's a really good christmas album so they had skill just yeah. they had this they did it backwards where they were cast because they were pretty boys yeah and it and it's weird yeah to think that like they could have just been awful like no originality no talent whatsoever you know and yeah. like and it wouldn't have mattered because like yeah. that wasn't that wasn't what the studio wanted, you know. So like stuff like that fascinates me. And sure, you know, the show is not great, and like the, not all their records are good. But like it's pretty fascinating when you get to a point. And it was similar to like the Beach Boys and like Brian Wilson, where you get to the point where you're just like, okay, look, like we don't want to write the same song again and again and again. You yeah. know, we want to actually make music and like art. You know, that's another guy who at Blues Fest a few years back, a few years before, he walked out on stage, and you know he's physically not doing great right so he kind of walked out he had a helper bring him out and you kind of feel bad and you were like oh this is going to be horrible and he sat on a stool and the band started up and he sounded amazing yeah so he can still perform Mm -hmm. just he's you know he just sat through the whole thing yeah you need kind of kid gloves with him a little bit because he just had so much like man he sounded fine or not fine he sounded great Mm -hmm. yeah and but that's just that was Brian Wilson, yeah, because he left them ages ago. Yeah, but. yeah, and it's not that's such a that's another one I've been like I've just had so much time lately, so I'm just like yeah. delving into these <laughs> random things and like the Beach Boys story is so fascinating because I'm not I've never been I was a huge fan when I was a kid and I like the big hits and stuff, but I've never been like Pet Sounds is considered one of the greatest albums ever made and like I'm not I enjoy it, but I'm not I'm not I'm not in that cult, you know. But yeah. I, I'm very interested in it and just to have like. Holy God, like to have like to make all these hits and then have them be like, Brian Wilson's a genius. He's a genius. Everything he's going to do is going to be great. And you're just, the pressure and like, oh, just, for sure. Yeah. Then there's a movie, uh, Love and Mercy, I think it's called, which I, I haven't seen yet, but it's uh, John Cusack and Paul Dano, I think. Played. Yeah, we screened that a little while back. Yeah, and I just, I didn't realize what it was about until like oh, yeah. last week. And I was like, what? I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. Yeah. So like just, that whole history like i don't even it's hard enough being an artist as it is but like to have that much pressure and to be the basically the only like the rest of them wrote stuff eventually but to be like the genius you know well to skew it over to movies um (laughs) why would we do that that's kind of why i'm fascinated with george lucas's retirement because critiques aside he did a lot yeah but was always in the public eye from probably you know you could say after american graffiti so I think it's really interesting now that kind of post Star Wars, he is more out of the public eye and just kind of doing cool stuff mm-hmm. where he's he's got grants and funds for filmmakers. He's releasing weird little indie movies mm-hmm. under his, I forget what the brand was, but it's like a, there's like a George Lucas foundation or something yeah. like that. He's opening museums and film schools and that kind of stuff. This guy 
especially in the age of the internet. Like, ima- I always imagine that. Imagine if the Beatles, the Monkees, the Beach Boys, yeah. if there was the internet back then, it would have been the same. Yeah. Just with jerks, just instead of just saying, I don't like this and moving on with their lives, just tearing people down. And yeah. imagine like when George Carlin did his stuff, there'd be people going after George Carlin on Twitter. Oh. And so it's, it's that where you see an artist who's super big and famous and when they kind of walk away from it a bit. And there's a reason why you see... Dave Chappelle or Harrison Ford or Mm -hmm. George Clooney don't live in Hollywood. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah. Oh, same with Cat Stevens, too, walking away while he's on top. Like, it's just crazy when you're just like, no, I don't want to deal with this pressure. (laughs) Yeah. And and I remember my dad always was just like baffled by that because you're just, I mean, you you respect it, but you're like, it takes guts, man, to do something like to to turn your back on fame and fortune. Because, I mean, most of us will never have that option in the first place. Yeah. And it, it is like, every entertainment industry whether it be ballet or hollywood movies is terrible (laughs) it's just rejection and really hard work yeah you're only as good as your last hit you know and luck like Mm -hmm. every single person who's famous is there because they are skilled for the most part but it's also just luck or nepotism nepotism (laughs) it's one or the other it's a missed film festival it's a bad review it's going left instead of right it's you know not finishing a script that you should have and it's a misunderstood tweet (laughs) yeah oh god yeah (laughs) and i love all these stories of like there's you know successful actors like owen wilson who not even nepotism per se he had no ambition to be an actor but when bottle rocket when the short film for bottle rocket was being made yeah they were like hey, oh, and you want to do this? And he was like, oh, okay. And that was it. So like, he really stumbled into it. Yeah, and he doesn't seem like he's acting a lot of the times. For some of his roles, you, you really just seem like he's just chilling. Like he's just hanging yeah. out, you know? Like Yeah, you're never going to see him play Lincoln. No, like, <laughs> like and it's not to say he's a bad actor, no. but it's just like he's just, he is who he is. And he, I think his personality towers above a, a bit like McConaughey at times. But I mean, he's he's a much more uh, in-depth actor, I yeah. would say. Well, but... if, like, I mean, it's hard to say this, but if you just 50-50 it and yeah. say there's two kinds of actors... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's your Jeff Goldblum's and then there's your Gary Oldman's. Yeah. And Gary Oldman movie to movie is a different accent and makeup and costume and, and yeah, period yeah. pieces and everything. Yeah. Like Daniel Day-Lewis like that kind of thing. Yeah. And Jeff Goldblum is amazing, <laughs> but whether it's the fly or Jurassic park or Buckaroo Banzai, he's always Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. But he's still a great actor for sure. But I think, you know, there's some term for that of, of like, not just character actor, but of just Jimmy Stewart. You could play villains, yeah. you could play heroes, but you're not getting, you know, you're not losing yourself in that role. Like John Wayne. Like, yeah. You're, you're like, oh, okay, all right, Genghis Khan, I know who you are under there. Exactly. <laughs> so, oh, my God. John Wayne is the perfect example of somebody who was John Wayne 75 times in a movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's and even, like, Bogart, to a point, you're like, I know he's a great actor, and, like, he's been good, and, like, he's not the same every time, but you're like, yeah. it's Bogart, you know? Oh, yeah. And like Jeff Goldblum, he's like spitting acid on someone's leg in every movie. Like, I'm just like, come on. It worked once. And even you see, I mean, old Hollywood was way worse for this, where it was so much more controlled and their movie stars were their movie stars. And yeah. And I think that's why almost good on him for being a, all accounts, a horrible person. But John Wayne, when he did these bonkers things like playing Genghis Khan, it was him as a performer trying to spread his wings. Yeah. So you're kind of like, oh, good for you. But at the same time, you're like, you're not that talented. Yeah, you're like, what did we expect? Like, how did we think this would go based on every other thing we've seen with John Wayne in it? I'm trying to think of a modern actor who did that 
and failed, but I can't think of it. Because um, I mean, like, you could, had he not done Goodwill Hunting, you could have argued Robin Williams, you know, but like, because his later, you know, like Jacob the Liar or something like that, you know, or like, right. he had a few where you were just like, okay, you're trying way too hard on this one. But I mean, he also had like uh, Dead Poets Society, like he was in, and, you Good know, Morning Vietnam. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, uh, you know. So actually, yeah, so- Dead Poets Society is a better example because he wasn't, he wasn't Robin Williamsing his way through that at all. Yeah. He was really, I, th- I think... I think he said this, but he said he always appreciated when a director would sit on him. Yeah. And I think a lot of directors either weren't, didn't have the courage to do that because they didn't want to lose their gig. Right. But when you see a director who really sat on him and really said, don't do improv, stick with the script, that's what he won his Oscar for. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't like, you know, if it's something like toys, you kind of have to let them loose, you know, and it it still isn't enough to save the movie, but you're you know, certain stuff. And it's funny watching that in his filmography because you can just tell the ones where you're just like, was there a script? Like, did you just have him do stuff? Like, You hear stories about that, especially in, maybe it is up to now, but you hear stories of like 80s movies where they would just be writing on the fly. Yeah. And they would be like, okay, this week, you know, whatever, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're filming in the apartment. What are we doing next week? Uh, We're not sure. We're working on it. Yeah. And they were just improv filming. And you see these movies with weird endings or or stuff that doesn't quite... no ending. Yeah. And it was because they were just going. They were just like improv yeah. their way through it and it wasn't a planned improv type movie yeah like i feel like the original oceans 11 is a bit like that probably like because you're just like there's a plot but i mean there's also j- time where sometimes the more it's funny where sometimes the more hard a movie is mm. like making the original star wars was really hard for george lucas yeah making jaws was really hard for steven spielberg making apocalypse now was really oh, hard God. for coppola and they all turned out as masterpieces right Whereas when you hear movies of like, oh, we had a great time. Look at the bloops. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that didn't work. No one was paying attention. Jeez. Apocalypse Now might be the best example of that because there's like 85 cuts and like a oh, feature length yeah. documentary just on how horrible it was making the movie. And like, even if it was, if you took out like the movie part itself and just dealt with Brando, because you'd think like they had, they had a lot going their way or so it seemed. And, and as you say, like it worked out, but you know. Or it's movies where... You know, not to kick a movie when it was down, but like say BFG. <laughs> you hate that movie. Oh, I you tr- kick that movie uh, when it's down all, all the time. But when I, was that movie up? That's the I thing. would assume that nobody from rough script to final edit leaned over to Steve and was like, I think we need to work on this more. Yeah, who I, who I think, wrote that, I wonder? Well, that's the thing. It was written by, I, I, I don't know if it was book or script. I forget, but it was written by well, the person who wrote E.T., is it is that a Roald Dahl book? BFG? Yeah, maybe, oh, maybe that's it. Maybe it's a Roald Dahl book, an ET screenwriter script, okay. and a Steven Spielberg movie, produced oh. by Disney. So it had these Man. people were really excited about yeah, it. Yeah. Like this, wow, this is going to be Spielberg back to his eighties form. Disney working with Spielberg. Yeah, but but it didn't work. Instead, <laughs> the screenplay was Amblin. <laughs> you see what I did there? Take because, that, Spielberg. Yes, yes. No, but that's. It's, it's so you're so right when you get a guy like that at the height of his well at the height of his powers in the sense that he has the money and the it, time in and the kind of golden years of the height of his powers yeah not to say at that time he was the best he's ever been you know because no because he's that. still getting acclaim even if who know like awards you can argue them as forever yeah but like he still has got awards and nominations for some of his more grown-up movies the past few years. Uh, yeah, because he did Bridge of Spies. Bridge of Spies yeah. and, and uh, the newspaper the, movie. Oh, yeah. The Post? The Post. Was that, that was Those were both stuff. up for Best Picture, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what was his last 
truly big summer hit was it like it's been a little um, while like minority, more of the worlds like more of the worlds minority report because that was after was that was after minority report but but still a long time ago like i feel and like I think more stuff of the worlds like was bridge of spies in the post were financially successful yeah i don't think that ready player one was a flop oh yeah but it wasn't indiana jones no. it wasn't et it, it, it didn't it didn't sweep the nation no i feel Kids like didn't it, buy the action figures it may have broken even but yeah that's probably about it and i watched it we had it here and and i did not dislike it but yeah. when the credits rolled i wasn't emotionally moved and, right. and wanting to watch it over and over except again. for the batmobile clip when they showed the Batmobile. oh man that well was, i mean talk about a movie swinging for the fences with stuff josh likes i was yeah, like yeah. i was like there was a dinosaur in it oh man and, the you know, shining <laughs> like yeah that sequence simon was great. Pegg was in it it should have been my favorite movie of all time but yeah I liked it better than I thought I would, like way better than I thought I would, but oh, that's yeah. because I didn't think I would like it, so... Yeah, and it's know. one of those things where, it's funny, Gwen and I spoke of this a few times after watching The Post, after watching Ready Player One. Again, it's almost unfair to, to Steven. Anybody else doing that, we might go, wow, that's a great four, four and a half star movie. That was great. Good yeah. effort. Because it's him, you're like, oh, that was good. Three stars. Yeah. Because he had this amazing run at one point, or mm-hmm. because he is who he is. So it's hard. It's hard to distance yourselves. You know, when when Eddie Murphy made a pop album in the 80s, same thing. I imagine everybody in the room was like, you're the new prince. Yeah. This is amazing. Okay. Same <laughs> with Bruce Willis. When oh, you put yeah. Out Return Bruno. of Bruno. You're like, ah, maybe not. And no one ever told him to stop because like every time he's on Letterman, he was pulling out that harmonica. Man. God, that's <laughs> like, just... Nobody ever said... I guess, you know, and again, I'm not a music critic, but I don't think he was good, but yeah. he was, you know, he could carry a tune it's, it's like reminds me of Hasselhoff though like he oh, has Hasselhoff. like a t- like he's a huge musician like not here and never will be but like I don't even remember where like somewhere overseas like he is massive I think in Germany and yeah that's you know, probably European right. places yeah like he has like a bunch of number one records and stuff and, and like platinum <laughs> albums yeah like he, nobody <laughs> even knows that he had any albums let alone platinum you like well that's always something where I say when people say it's a small world it's not a small world. It's an enormous world because nobody here, despite knowing Baywatch and Knight Rider, yeah, most people here, if you said he has one of the biggest albums of all time, you'd be like, "What?" It's it's weird. And then you also start thinking about Vanilla Ice having the biggest rap album, or, or oh yeah, or maybe it's not anymore, but it was the biggest rap album of all time, and now he's like a reality TV star. Pop culture is fascinating for that, or even in movies where we will play an Asian action movie that elsewhere was. Fast and Furious was yeah. enormous. And here, we get a bit of a crowd for it. It goes okay. But there's actors in different countries. Uh, I mean, especially India. Look at yeah. India. There's people there. There was a little chart recently of the most successful financial actors of the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. And of course, there was people we knew on there, like yeah. Johnny Depp or Robert Downey Jr. But it was something like six of the top 10 names are actors we don't know Yeah, because it was yeah, it yeah. was like six Indian actors we've like never Autumn, heard of. Autumn Shank. <laughs> yeah, because they've done giant movies and got giant reward. Yeah. And here they're nothing. Well, and they probably do like points over there too. Like, so you, oh, because yeah. these, these are like huge successful movies. So it's like maybe they're not paid what a George Clooney is paid up front. But, but say they're doing eight movies a year yeah. or 12 movies a year and getting paid 
10 million dollars a movie you're like oh yeah that adds up yeah and it's weird like a lot of those especially the action ones like we don't really hear about them until there's some two-minute clip of a crazy action special effects sequence that goes viral and yeah. then that's when because i've seen a bunch of stuff like that you know and, and everyone's like oh what is this what is this but like the movie itself isn't just that it's like three hours of you know oh, yeah and there's maybe an hour of action half an hour of action but then there's like probably singing there's probably like a thick romantic subplot and all this stuff so well that's subgenre <laughs> is amazing because they just want to be entertained. Yeah. You know, when you're watching a North American film, you know, you accept the world it's in. So you watch a superhero movie and you're accepting that there's superpowered people. You watch a musical and you're accepting that people sing. But you would be thrown off if during Chicago, all of a sudden everybody started flying around. Yeah, yeah. Or if in Spider-Man he started singing. Yeah, yeah. If Thanos had a song at the end, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and imagine that. Yeah, out of nowhere, people are like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry I killed you. You're like, yeah. what? But a Bollywood film will have a real heavy godfather crime plot yeah. mixed with the best dance number you've ever seen, mixed with goofy slapstick where if someone's punched, they fly up to the moon. Yeah. All in the same movie. And you're just like, yeah, okay. Oh, man. And it's three and a half hours long. And there's five-year-olds there and 90-year-olds there. Yeah. And it might have a brutal fight scene. And it's just like, yep, everybody goes. So weird. It's the length is what kills me. Like, yeah. if these were like an hour and a half, I'd watch a lot of them, I think, just for amusement. But a lot of them, yeah, they're like two and a half, three hours. And yeah. I don't even watch, like, there's there's a lot of legit three-hour older films that I should get to and still haven't. Like, there's just no time. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's such thing as a 75-minute Bollywood film. I think Man, they're all three hours that's long. That's the intro yeah. most of the time. You're like, uh And I always, usually it's like the horror versions where I'm someone will be like, oh, have you seen the Bollywood A Nightmare on Elm Street or something. And I'm like, well, I have to now. God, and then yeah. and then you start watching it and you're like, all right, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe I don't need a three-hour version of this where Freddie has a soliloquy in the middle and like sings like a rap tune or something. But it's funny because we watch Riverdale and I think once a year they've done a musical and a full-blown musical. Like mm. it's advancing the plot, not just Josie the Pussycat singing a song. Well, which would have been fine yeah. as well. But And the one they just did was for Hedwig. And oh, yeah. Gwen, despite being a musical fan, wasn't familiar with Hedwig. And mm. for me, that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I we played that, that here for sure. I'm, yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's an example of something that is most of the time not a musical. Once a year, they go, oh, we're a musical. They did that Spider-Man Broadway show. Yeah. And that did not go well. Oh, man. Most people don't even remember that happened. No, I was just, I was just reminded of it because I was reading something from a Spider-Man writer. And he said, whenever that was, eight years ago, ten years ago, that they all got to go. And that it was the most uncomfortable, like, <laughs> they're there trying to be like, hey, good job, everybody. Yeah. We're from Marvel. But he confirmed that it was terrible. Yeah. I'm sure if it had done well, they would have been like, hey, let's try making it a movie. Yeah. Annie was a musical comic movie. Let's try this with Spider-Man. But gladly it yeah. stopped. Or even an animated one. Like, it's, it's such a weird thing, these, hey, let's take a random movie and make a musical out of it. My tie-in with that is that I just rewatched Little Shop of Horrors. Oh um, yeah, which I hadn't oh, seen so like since I was younger. And and what's funny is like I was kind of thinking like, oh yeah, you know I remember it was it was fine. I liked it okay, you know whatever. But but 
the minute that it, it wasn't the theme song so much because like that one you know everyone knows but like uh when they were playing uh skid row it was in my dna and I, in that yeah. moment i was like i think we had the soundtrack on cassette for this like if that dates me enough and and it was just every song i was like oh my god like i know all of these like i and i wouldn't have thought so but who has the idea because I'm, I'm still on my nicholson kick so i just watched the original little shop a couple weeks ago who had the idea to be like, let's take this 60s no-budget movie about a killer plant and make a musical out of it? And it, But it worked. Yeah. And then they made the movie and that worked. You know, And it's it's just baffling to me like, like who thinks of this? Well, that's why. And now <laughs> it, it doesn't stop because as we speak before Broadway closed, yeah. Mean Girls from Tina Fey, based right. on another movie I love, that's... was a big Broadway show. And you saw the sequel, the direct-to-Disney sequel, oh, Mean man. Girls 2, right? I haven't. <laughs> I, I, no. I don't think I should. I didn't see it either. It's okay. But so that's still a thing of Hollywood movies adapting, non-musical movies mm. becoming musicals. Evil Dead is another one I think of. Oh, and that's like, so good. And, oh, yeah, so, so good. I've heard, but it, it shouldn't be. Like, yeah. on paper, like, that shouldn't work. But I will say, like, Evil Dead, the original as a musical, that sounds weird. Evil Dead 2 or 3 as a musical doesn't yeah. sound that strange. And Evil Dead the musical, not ironically, not laughing at it, right. is genuinely a very well-done musical. And because it has all these special effects and stuff, mm-hmm. all kinds of real fun stuff on stage of just little, neat little in-house effects like Ash will turn his back to you and you don't see it, yeah. but then somebody opens up a little door in the wall, paints his face to be a deadite, Closes the door, he turns around, and he's got makeup on. So all kinds of little neat, fun stuff like that huh. happens. And really goofy stuff, like they're driving the car, and Flintstone style, just the background is just moving, <laughs> oh, but, it's, but it's only like five or six trees. Yeah, yeah. Know? But yeah, that that's something where if they said, we're doing Evil Dead the Musical, but with these actors from right. the show... That would be a fun movie. That yeah. would be cool. And I think they did sort of talk about that at one time, but I think so. it's just kind of because he's not going to do it. I, Bruce I wouldn't do it, but I think whoever did it, whoever yeah. initiated it, could do it for big screen, I'm sure. And is, oh, was it good. an adaptation of the first one or just the movies in general? Just kind of one and two. Okay. Yeah, like because one and two are kind of the same movie. Yeah. So it has more of that fun, goofy vibe of two, but mm. yeah, so it's kind of the, they're in a, the cabin for the whole thing. Yeah, So and it's meant to look like early 20s Bruce Campbell or, or whatever yes. age he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's hard. He doesn't age. Like, it's so no. weird watching stuff. Uh, we watched, when we had it, was it last Halloween? Gwen and I came here to see the restoration of evil dead that had mm. the new music from uh, oh, joseph ledusa on it yeah really good and it, and it looked oh my god it looked like anyone who doesn't like digital because they think it's the death of film yeah you see these things and you're like holy cow it looks <laughs> like we're in the first theater yeah. to have seen it it's, oh it's so nice it's so funny to see see a, like a degraded 35 millimeter that's all red <laughs> yeah and then i'm like beautiful 4k transfer something and people are like Ugh, i hate digital yeah you're like what you can <laughs> like both why yeah. can't you like both yeah, watching stuff on film is fun, but when you see stuff like that, you're like, yeah. oh my God. But we watched that, and Gwen is, of course, familiar with Bruce from various things, but I think she hadn't seen Evil Dead 1, and she was like, oh well, my yeah. God, he's a baby, because like, uh, they're all like 18. <laughs> yeah, and Evil Dead 1 is like not a Gwen movie, I would say. Like, yeah. It's just, it's kind of unrelenting, and, and I've, I know some people consider that to be somewhat comedic as well. I don't see that myself, no. but... Two and three, it's just like, yeah, you know, like it's it's weird the amount of people that probably like Evil Dead, quote unquote, but either haven't seen the first one or don't care about it that much. You yeah. Know? Well, two is that full blown birth of the Bruce Campbell charm right. that we've seen 
over the decades in Briscoe County and Xena and, you know. Moontrap. Moontrap, yeah, and Spider-Man <laughs> with, with, with your boy, Walter Koenig. Oh, uh, Walter Koenig. <laughs> the monkey. Yeah, it, no, it's it's uh, it's really bizarre to, to see a progression like that. Like, like Bruce Campbell's career is hilarious to me. And even, like, in Fargo, you know, uh, season two, I think it was. Oh, yeah. When he oh, played so Ronald Reagan. Like, he's just got so much range and just, Well, man, he did. What a career. For the life of me, I can't. This is a blur in the back of my mind, but he did one episode of X Files, and it was serious. Like it wasn't Goofy Bruce. It was it was a serious turn, and he's so good in that. You hear all these again. You know, speaking of the luck of a career, you hear all these, and Bruce has nothing to be ashamed of. He's had a fine career, but all these almosts, like he almost replaced Michael Keaton in Batman. He Hmm. almost replaced David Duchovny on X Files. He almost played the Phantom. All these little (laughs) things. Yeah. Would we live in a world where Bruce Campbell was a mainstream actor instead of a awesome character actor right now? Yeah. But who knows? I mean, and, you know, again, like he did, what was it, Burn Notice, which I still haven't seen all of. Oh, right. But in terms of just career, that was a seven-year show. So that's, you know, oh, man. that's good for him. You just never know how these things, like I don't understand TV, like stuff like no. that, where you're just like, some stuff is one and done, some stuff's 11 seasons, but the yeah. quality appears the same to me. <laughs> and then you hear, and again, I don't say this in a negative means because I've never seen the show, but then you see like Grey's Anatomy in its 15th season. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? And you're like, is ER still on? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't even understand. And well, and they're talking about... uh well, I mean, it's like fans talking about, it, but like they were suggesting Mister Sinister uh, by Bruce Campbell, like for oh the ne- next X Men movie, which is is so random to suggest. But the more I thought about it, I was like, I could totally see that. Like, well, with Sam doing the next Doctor Strange movie, yeah, even if it's just a cameo, Bruce will be in there. Somewhere. He will a hundred percent be in that. So. I would love it to be like if you said Bruce is playing Uncle Ben in Spider Man, or Bruce is playing. Oh, he'd be good. But what is too bad? It's funny because we're gonna have the same J Jonah Jameson in the new spider-man movie as in the old spider-man movie a rare example of a actor jumping universes Hmm. i'd love to see bruce playing j jonah jameson you know something like that but i I still think bruce has a good career ahead of him because i think we've mentioned it recently but like christopher lee he will be put in movies as a cool old guy from nerds putting him in a movie so yeah and it's and i mean he's set for life at this point either way like oh yeah i mean i don't even i don't really understand how it, like character actors like that or like or like a clint howard you know for example where you're just like i know you're probably set i don't quite know how it happened or how you did it like i mean nepotism for a i don't know it, if but... they're set for life but they just work as long as they keep working and they've got yeah. that career i assume well you know ron's not gonna let him go hungry yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's like the, the Howard family Thanksgiving. You're like, yeah, Ron, uh, maybe throw me a couple hundos there, bud. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I am going to quickly mention a couple of recommendations. Oh, nice. You got me. Last week, it was me where you were like, we got to go. And it's like, say the thing. I know. Forgot. No, I, well, you Try to do it so we don't mind. have the podcast too long. But It's smart. So I just finished reading, catching up on nerd reading with all this not working time, a really great comic book series called Paper Girls that's written by a guy named Brian K. Vaughn. And it's a self-contained series. There's 30 issues, or I don't know how many big fat volumes that is. A lot. A lot, yeah. But it's (laughs) not a ton. It's like four or five big fat volumes. Okay, well, that's not terrible. But it's about four paper girls in the 1980s who stumble on a giant, crazy time travel adventure. So if you like Stranger Things or The Goonies, it's very much in that 
vibe. Yeah. And I don't know where it stands if it's going to get turned into a movie or a series, but it <laughs> would fit so well yeah. as a Netflix series. So yeah, Paper Girls is a really great self-contained comic read, especially for people who get scared of jumping into like Batman number 600. Yeah. This has a beginning, middle, and an end. And for a movie, Gwen and I a little while back watched a 1980s movie that you think would be kitschy called The Legend of Billy Jean. Which oh, yeah. was very 80s. I've seen that. I don't know if it's because I'm more emotional than normal right now. I loved it. Did like, you, I genuinely super loved it. Was so. that? The, did you get the, the Blu-ray with the VHS cover? Was that I did. That? Okay, exactly nice. that. The throwback. Yeah. And because when I was a kid, I was in love with cinematic Supergirl. And yeah. this is that actress, Helen Slater. But I really liked it. it it's 80s and it has yeah. its kitsch factor. But it's just this real great kind of goofy fight the power story yeah and, and a real smarmy bad guy real, real smarmy bad dude. guy a nice heroic cop lots of great 80s music yeah and it's christian slater's sister isn't it no it's not okay but he's, he's in it that's the funny thing is two people named slater in this movie right early in their career no relation because i know we've talked about that and i couldn't remember what the ending of that was if, it, yeah. if they were well, or were not that's a good movie legend of billy jean man yeah no solid myself i watched that gretel and hansel movie oh the yeah one that, god anthony hopkins or not anthony hopkins anthony perkins the other good anthony kins right uh his his son directed it i don't think he wrote it but it was really good the last like 10 minutes it was a little sort of like eh, okay but like it was more of a visual thing like i, I wished that i'd seen it here because it was like real yeah. good real good like adult fairy tale vibes you know like like uh lamora or like company of wolves stuff like that you know so like that was solid and then i also watched uh there's a new mortal Kombat anime called scorpion's revenge oh which that alone said you're like okay yeah i'm sure that'll be good but it's been getting uh, some reviews are like it's the best anime since ninja scroll and akira like that's what some people have been saying is it a feature or a series uh, yeah, it's, a feature. Oh, it's a feature so like i'm assuming they're gonna do more because it ends on not quite a cliffhanger but a setup so i don't think they've done other ones they did like like a 10 minute episode live action stuff back in the day you know they did some like that, that was pretty well reviewed but but this is a full anime it's it's gory it's fun it's like gotta watch know. that yeah so if you like ninja scroll you like mortal kombat totally worth your while and we all know that the 1990s Mortal Kombat is the best theme song of all time. It's true. It's true. And uh, Annihilation is a uh, masterpiece. Masterpiece. <laughs> Says no oh, one. Oh, man. T talk about whitewashing. When they get a white French guy to play a Japanese it's, character. It's pronounced Guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember watching that being like, oh, really, guys? Yeah. Like, I love Christopher Lambert as much as the next guy, but... I'm pretty sure in the video game, this guy's a full-blown yeah. Japanese person. I'm as white as the next white guy, but even I'm offended. I'm offended. <laughs> Not I know we do horrible things all the time, yeah, but yeah. come this on. This is easily the worst thing we've done, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, thanks for tuning in, everybody. One day, we'll be back with a podcast where we're actually talking about movies we have upcoming, but until mm -hmm. then, we'll keep on checking in once a week just to say hello. Everything is upcoming, basically. Everything is upcoming. <laughs> just It may never get here, but everything's upcoming. So yeah, stay safe, stay healthy, think happy thoughts, and keep in touch with us on the social medias. Retweet, repost, forward this podcast so other people can listen to it too. And we'll uh, be back next week for another Not Quite Mayfair Theater podcast. Yay. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. I uh, really think they should get Clint Howard to play Raiden in the next Mortal Kombat. Oh, that'd be even worse. Yeah, I think he'd be like, I, I got powers here, guys. She was a fugitive to the police. A sensation to the media. And a symbol of courage to young people everywhere to fight for what's right. The Legend of Billie Jean, directed by Matthew Robbins, featuring Pat Benatar's hit song, Invincible, rated PG-13.
starts Friday at a theater near you.